from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Well, hello everyone and welcome to a very special edition of the Wow Report. Um, I'm uh, founder of World of Wonder, Fenton Bailey, joined by Tom Campbell, our Chief Creative Officer, and James St. James, editor of the blog, The Wow Report. Hi. And so what we're doing this week is something we've wanted to do for a long time. You know, we're very enthusiastic about many, many things, but also, you know, sometimes we love to hate things too. And I think we've all endured in our lives awful pop songs. And it suddenly occurred to us, Let's celebrate the worst songs, the most annoying ditties we've ever heard. And we've grouped them into themes. So we're doing the top 10 as normal, thematic. Each of us has picked three songs for every theme. So here are the 30 worst songs of all time, or at least the ones that we hate the most, right? Bring on the hateration, everyone. Exactly. Too much love is not good for you. So number 10. I'm going to talk about some corny rock songs and I have to do a, I have to do a preamble. You set it up very nicely, Fenton, but like I, you know, I went, you know, I went online and was like, you know, worst songs ever. And like, I own most of the worst songs ever. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love them. I think being gay, being, you know, around drag queens, being in the world, it's like, we appreciate the idiosyncrasies, if you will, of some songs, but the Cardinal sin for me is a song, and I like, I'd like to think I, I like lots of genres of music. Not every single one, but lots of them. And I've listened to music my whole life, and I've tried to stay up, up, up to date as well as you can at this point. But it's when, I, it's when it comes to the radio and you immediately flick. Like, you can't even listen all the way through. You're just like, no, no, I can't. And, and, and you'll help me uh, decode some of this, but I think these are very heterosexual songs. I think they smell like your brother's gym socks or something. Just <laughs> and and I'm gonna start with it. And I'm being a little bit bad, but like I'm, I'm lumping Nickelback and Creed into they are the same. They are the exact same band. Into the one I, I just again, and I'm sure people can say that about certain gay groups and certain songs they hear. But Creed had that song higher. Nickelback had the how you know how you remind oh, me. This or is how you remind me. Yes, and you know again going back to this. My my sister is not a to my knowledge is not a Nickelback or Creed fan. But when I spend time with her back in Boston, she always listens to like the the rock stations and kind of the white music. I mean, she'll yell at me because she's much more cool than this. But and when and she and I think it all sounds the same. And when I put on Kiss one hundred and eight in Boston, and it's all like. Black women singing to a thumping beat. She's like, that all sounds the same. So anyway, but Nickelback and Rock, Nickelback and Creed feel like they're nothing really aggressive about them, but they bore me. They <laughs> seem like overhearing guys at a bowling alley have dull conversations. Well, but you know, Tom, the thing about Nickelback is, and especially that one song that never went away, it felt like it was ubiquitous. For two yes. years, it was inescapable, and that therein lies the problem with some of these songs that might have been okay had you just not been beaten over the head with them relentlessly. <laughs> it is, it's very circumstantial. I totally agree with you that way. Also, I always thought Nickelback and or Creed were very Christian, even though I don't know that they are, but they have like a vibe of Christian rock, which my cousin Ben Fuller is this new emerging Christian rock artist, and it's a legitimate... Uh, when it's done right, it's a legitimate art form, but sometimes it can be a little preachy and creepy. Okay, I'm almost out of time, so then I have to... Remember in the 80s, super groups kept popping up, which were kind of like musicians from different, like, Journey and Toto and whatever, they'd all get together. Well, there was one called Asia. And yes. then, and in the age of the video, when the visual was so important, you had these kind of really super talented session players, Right? And and Asia had a song called "In the Heat of the Moment," telling me what your heart meant. Heat of the moment, looking in your eyes. It sounds like every song you've ever heard, and turn the channel on. So it's not the word. I mean, you know, everything's relative. I'm sure if you like lost your virginity, to that song, you have a really happy memory of it. To me, it was just like programmed corporate heterosexual rock 
And you know, the other super groups, there was Power Station and the Traveling Wilburys yes. during that period. And they have the same, they suffer from the same problem of just being corporate pablum that was just put together to make a, a billion dollars for each of them. To make and I'll dollars. say this every time, female vocalists are my are, are my way to my feelings. Like, do I want to watch, you know, a, an Asia video or do I want Whitney Houston saying she wants to dance to somebody? I think you know the answer. All right. So that's the first three songs, Corny Rock. Number nine, James. Number nine. Now, I want to talk about some 80s music here because, frankly, if I never have to hear another 80s song again, it will be too soon. Not only did I live through it, and then I lived through the first revival and the second revival and the fourth, fifth, and sixth revival. If I never hear Come On Eileen, Safety oh. Dance, or uh, uh, Every Breath You Take, which is not the, my three that I'm picking right there, but I have been beaten <laughs> over the head relentlessly with those songs. So, But the ones that literally will drive me to distraction, that will make me scream and shout and throw things at my TV, front of TV, Abracadabra. Steve Miller, Abra, Abra, Cadabra, I want to reach out and grab ya, which is the worst <laughs> rhyme scheme in the history of music, right? Or there. is it the best? Or is it the best? <laughs> Keep going. The worst. <laughs> it is one of those songs that literally will drive me to, if I have a heart attack during today's show, is because I've been thinking of that song. The other is Ghostbusters. I'm afraid of no ghost. I'm afraid of no ghost. You know that you know, and you know the controversy behind that, of course. What is that? He stole that whole riff from Huey Lewis. I want a new drug. Oh, sure. You can sing them over each other. New drug. I don't know if this says that I am like American Psycho, Patrick Bateman, that I love Huey Lewis. Like I can, I I will all go to my death loving Huey Lewis. Thank you. Now, my third one though is, and this is, I want you to follow me with this because this is something that has been driving me crazy for thirty plus years. It's poison. Every rose has its thorn. Just like every night has its dawn. But not Molly's cover of it, right? No, 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 no. But, but here's my <laughs> problem with it. My problem with it is that if you remember your SATs and you remember analogies, rose is to thorn is not what night is to dawn or cowboy is to sad, lonely song. <laughs> cowboy would be cowboy is to gunfight what rose is to thorn or Day is to thunder shower, not night is to dawn. The, the analogies don't add up. They drive me bananas. Roses to thorn is something that is beautiful, and you have the thing that is, is, is ugly about it. So you have to have uh, cowboy to sad lonely song is not the same. Sorry, isn't dawn the rose and the thorn is night? I think it's no, pretty true. No, 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 it's the opposite. It's the night is the rose and the, the daylight is the thing that is upsetting when you come to the, the, the harsh thing. If you're a nightlife person, you hate the dawn. Because I think uh, yeah. what he's trying to say. So, but that doesn't, that's subjective. Whereas Roses to Thorn is not subjective. It is complete. It is just, that is the way it goes. Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? A little uh, ironic. I oh, hope not that ironic, didn't. actually. That's a good it's one. A, that's a good, I love the grammar police, a part of you coming in and mixing that up, James. I could, go James on, I could go on for the entire show. about. I, I, I avoided all those big hair 80 bands, Guns N' Roses, like they scared me. And now when I, and I ended up working for, what's his face from, uh, I did a show on VH1. Anyway, like it, all those songs are really corny and they're just all yeah, wearing makeup Brett and Michaels. tights. Yeah. Brett, Michael, Brett Michaels was sort of hot. St Sebastian Stan was kind of hot. I mean, they did have their moment in their place in my masturbatory history. Not Sebastian Stan, Sebastian Nikki Bach. Six. Oh, Sebastian Bach, yes. Was there a Nikki Six or something? Nikki yes. Six. I, I masturbated to Nikki a few times. <laughs> I, you know, it takes me so long to open James up to get him to reveal things. It's always just a hard thing to do. <laughs> Let's move on to number eight. Number eight. Dreary dirges. You know, being British, 
uh, you know, you grow up in gray skies and rainy weather, and it's always sort of cold and damp. And so these three songs are exquisite expressions of that awful fucking weather that I just fled from to California. Do you remember Jerry Rafferty, Baker Street? Yeah. <laughs> it is the most dismal, gloomy hook. And it's about some guy who's hung over walking on Baker Street, which is one of the shittiest streets in London, I have to say. Um, <laughs> and you're just like, you're just filled with fog and gloom and depression the moment you hear it. And the British love it. It well, was wait, on. Do, do we do you tell sting that that little hook again? And it's some sort of saxophone thing. And I wondered why I hated it so much. Um, and I did a little sort of online research. The guy who wrote it was in this band, um, Steeler's Wheel, folk band, who had that awful song stuck in the middle with you. Oh, oh my. Fucking God, I hate that song even as much as I hate Baker Street. Uh, but Baker Street was just omnipresent and um, really loved some 1978. And it, it was a big hit over here, too. And the reason I remember it is because it was when my friends started getting their licenses. So we would be driving around in like Stan Sokol's Chevy Monza, his mom's Chevy Monza, listening to it. You know what? I, I know I've been walking in the rain. There's a hole in my shoe and my feet are wet and cold. That is Baker Street. Um, okay, so there's that. Oh, my God. But then this song is even more dreary. And I have not, like me, ever been able to understand why anyone could ever like it. Wonderwall by Oasis. Okay. Or something like that. I mean, I don't... I, is there a tune in there? I, I like, love your interpretation of these yeah. songs. It's just dreary, dreary, dreary. That there was, was it. Perfect- and that was... Yeah, it was a perky remade of that by like Mike Flowers and company. I'll have to find it and play it for you guys. But someone did it like a campy lounge act. It was kind of cute. I would love that, an elevator music version and maybe like 120 beats per minute or something with some sort of <laughs> disco <laughs> toms. <laughs> See, I'm already feeling better. <laughs> wonderful. Though, I really liked Champagne Supernova, the follow-up. Mm. I thought that was a that's that's one of those songs that like sums up the 90s for me. So I, I give Wonderwall a pass just because I know Champagne Supernova is coming. I grew up like that was when I was about 14 or 15 and all of my friends had that album, the Wonderwall or the Oasis. What's the story? Morning Glory. Yes. Ugh, it, just all these words are so depressing. But Wonderwall is just a brick wall of just, just, uh, just I, oh, but then I guess topping it is. Do you remember Paul McCartney and Wings? And Paul McCartney, the Beatle, of course. Well, you know, being super rich, uh, supernova champagne or whatever, he bought himself basically the Mull of Kintyre, which is this sort of peninsula or island off of Scotland. And he wrote a song called Mull of Kintyre. Oh, my God. If you ever want to get depressed, put bagpipes in a song. Um, (laughs) Was that on his album Ram? It could be. I can tell you which album it was on because... Paul McCartney Wings had some good songs. I love Paul McCartney Wings. I thought they were better than the Beatles. Right? But Mull of Kintyre, my desire is always to be there. I mean, really, I'm speeding it up. It is dreary. It is dirty. It is foggy. It is cold. And Blow Me Down, it was number one. British, British Christmas number ones were a big thing. And it would always be something fun. But this Mull of Kintyre was the Christmas number one. It was like, let's cancel Christmas. Let's just <laughs> Um So that's, yes, those are my three awful shitty songs. I also love Paul McCartney and Wings almost maybe better than the Beatles. I love how Band on the Run is like three different Band songs. Love Band on the Run. And uh, Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die. Oh. Oh, Live and Let Die is exquisite. It's exquisite. Yeah. But yeah. Mullick and Ty, I tell you, if you want to kill yourself, just go and put that on. Well, I'm learning you... something new. I've mm. never heard of it. All right. Head over to the WOW Report to meet the queens of Drag Race France, hosted what? by Nikki Doll. Um, streaming now on WOW Presents Plus, the first episode aired last week. Huge ratings in France. Huge ratings. Like something like 11% share of the entire TV audience. Wow. It's, it's, it's a French revolution, I tell yes. you. <laughs> 
Um, well, I may get my gay card taken away for this, but some of my least favorite songs are like from Broadway musicals. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I mean, here I, we go. I just hate that singing to the back of the crowd. Like, I don't know. Is Are you going to name something? Is this is your there a question? I thought we were going to have a question. No, I don't. I don't want to name any because I don't want to piss anyone off. Well, but... we're going to talk to you a little later about this. <laughs> I know. I th- I think the thing is, Blake, that you've never had a good experience going to the theater, and well, you need to go with Tom and I to go see Evita or you know something. And I do love the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Well, there you oh, go. So no, that a... is your entrance right but there. But I feel like that's a gateway kind of... drug. I feel like that's kind of like making fun of, or you know, like taking. But there are lots of those that make fun of the genre. That uh, that. Have you ever seen Wicked? No. Okay. But I I have a feeling that 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 would be another gateway drug for you. I think if you went with us and we hyped it up enough for you, we might be get you. Benton, don't be surprised when you see the expenses for three round trip first class (laughs) tickets to New York and front row seats. To wicked. Uh, well, I, think- I do. Ha- I do have a question for you guys. Yeah. What song held the number one position for longer than any other song on the Billboard charts? So it's the longest running number one song of all time. All right. Yeah. We'll have the answer right after the break. You're listening to the Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake. And we are counting down the absolute worst, most hated, baddest songs of all time. 30 of them um, in this special edition. And Blake, you had a question for us. I did. What is the longest running number one song on the Billboard charts? Okay. I just want to show my age and my generation. For a long time, it was You Light Up My Life by Debbie Boone, which I owned. And Uh then I believe it was surpassed by Physical by Olivia Newton-John. And then, and this is where it's going to get tricky for me, then I think I'll Always Love You, the Whitney Houston version from the soundtrack, which overtook it. But then I can't remember if End of the Road by Boys to Men might have surpass that i can't but what that. about my heart will go on celine dion or uh, um we are the champions i remember was one of those forever what about achy breaky heart or something country <laughs> you know i'd have to say you blake asked for the the longest running and tom gives the longest running for the last 25 years in yeah. precise order i mean my god it's amazing i have no idea what is it well um you brought up I will always love you, and that was the longest running until uh, 1995. It it now it's the one of the it's tied for the third longest running, which is and then, Come on. And then you mentioned Achy Breaky Heart. He uh-huh. he is actually in the longest running number one song, Old Town Road. Town Road, oh. Lil Nas X and Billy Ray uh, Cyrus, 2019 for 18 weeks. We are counting down the top 30 most awful songs of all time. Number seven, Tom, adult contemporary. Number seven. I used to, in college, believe it or not, because I've changed, I'd put everything off. I'd procrastinate. And I would write my five-page papers in the middle of the night on my non-electric typewriter um, in the common area of my dorm room. And I would listen very, very quietly, in order to not wake my roommates up, to Magic 106 in Boston, which was just, you know, adult contemporary songs. And I just love all those. But, hey, what, Tom, could you give me a potted definition of adult contemporary? I've never completely understood what it is. I think adult contemporary, it's such a good question, but it was all the soft hits. You know, it's yeah. all, it, it's like there's the Billboard 100 charts of, and a, uh, uh, adult contemporary song could go on the pop charts as could uh, an R&B hit or a disco hit but pop was the middle the Billboard 100 was the hot you know, singles and the 200 were the hot albums and then they had these subcategories because there were stations that kind of play soft not quite um, but, but think like Lady in Red that's like a soft hit or thank you, thank you, thank you because now you're, you're okay 
Did I stomp on yours? Did you, was that one of In yours? In the best way. So <laughs> again, are songs that I can't bear to listen to the whole song of. And the first one James has named, which is Krista Berg, Lady in Red. You're dancing <laughs> with I me. I love that song. Cheek to cheek. Ah, what's it about? It sounds like it sounds like I, uh, I, I find it hard to listen to the guy's voice. It feels like you're at a karaoke bar and it's time to go home. It just there's just a lot not it appealing about that song. Weary and it does it's like he's sort of slurring. And, and it feels like a demo track. It's just there's nothing good about it. And it plays morning, noon, and night to this day on uh on uh adult contemporary stations. The other thing is um and this is I, I didn't know again, I I didn't know you know who to pick on. I didn't want to pick on anyone, but I figure if anybody could withstand a worse song, it would be the incredible Barbara Streisand and her duet with Brian Adams. And I finally found someone. I Sing it for me. That. Exactly. It's just you take Barbara Streisand, who's this exciting, you know, duets are about chemistry and right. Donna Summer and, and Barbara Streisand, Judy Garland and Barbara Streisand. Brian Adams, who I like, by the way, Summer 69. But when you put them together, it was really super dull. And I believe it was the theme song to. The mirror has two faces. Oh, sure, yeah. Which is an amazing thing. So I just find that to be really, and I expect my Str- I even will. I'm even a fan of Streisand and Celine Dion's "Tell Him." I mean, I love a duet with Miss Streisand. Well, when I think of Streisand and Barry Barry Gibb and Streisand and Neil Diamond, yes. she just she really can, yeah. So just by just by the fact that her her, her standard is so high, this this. Uh, Brian Streisand, this Brian Adams Streisand duet. I finally found someone not so good. And then the last one is, and I, I, you've kind of mentioned him already, and I hate to be mean again, he's very successful, but like Sting. And I'm going to blame If You Love Someone, Set Them Free, which was his first solo single, which just sort of set the, 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 uh, the formula for this kind of super easy white hetero uh little bit of a beat underneath what's with the face oh you're very close friends with he's one of my best friends and i don't know that we can do that stick okay. and i of course are very I can close it out. i can take it out he and his oh well, I, I, i'm coming for sting later so no! uh, <laughs> Now, I say that, and Sting, again, but who am I going to pick on? I'm going to pick on the Starland vocal band and their one-hit afternoon delight. No, I'm going to pick on Sting, who's a multi-billionaire who's respected by everyone. And I'm just saying, it's my, it's my, and I know Sting is sort of enigmatic in his sexual appeal, but this, and, and again, it's the context. It's whenever I drive back, whenever I fly back to Boston, it's two hours to get to New Hampshire, one hour out of Boston. It's just local stations and it's 1982 again. It's yeah, just like, yeah, it's yeah. like there's no, and I feel like I'm just sort of repressed by the lack of, um, of, of blackness, of urban, of rap, of a lot of things that make music sweet to me. So at the, uh, at the risk of destroying your relationship. <laughs> it's okay. I'll finish it off in the next okay. segment. Okay. He's um, listening um, right now. I know. And he's saying, James, I'm disappointed. You didn't stick up for me more. Well, you'll have, you'll have your chance in a second, James. Let's move on then. Hey, James, what have you got at number six? Number six. Number six, I've got earworms. These are those songs that burrow into your head and will not leave. And you find yourself, no, but even if you despise them more than life itself, you find yourself singing them. You sing along with the radio. You walk down the street and you start singing them. And they just can't, it just can't get out of your head. The first one is Hollaback Girl. <laughs> Gwen Stefani, I ain't no Hollaback girl, I ain't no Hollaback girl, where she's this, you know, a cheerleader, and it's just, it's a cheerleading chant, and it will drive it, B-A-N-A-N-A-S, bananas, yes, oh. Yeah, it doesn't grow, it doesn't change, it doesn't build, it doesn't go high, then low, it just stays right there the whole time. Trivia, trivia, who was the song written about? RuPaul. Oh, it's 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 Courtney or something, isn't it? Courtney Love. She yeah. she called uh Gwen Stefani a cheerleader type yeah. of girl. So Gwen Stefani responded with Hollaback Girl. 
this shit is bananas. B a n a n a n a s. And um, I she I feel like Gwen thought she was coming for uh Tony Basil's crown with Ricky, you know, but she's How just we've left that song out. Oh my god! No, I, they, I'm revisiting Ricky in a couple minutes. Okay, good. Uh, I love another, I love that song. Well, by the three hundred thousandth time you've heard it, maybe you you think a little differently of it. The next one is. And, and I hate every song from this band, every single damn song, and I think Fenton loves them, but Boom Boom Pow by the Black Eyed Peas. How dare you sacrilege? I think they are the most reductive, the most pathetic, the most every single song is just, they come up with three words and they say them at infinite. No, 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 don't funk with my heart. <laughs> but I Boom love Boom Pow Boom is Boom the Boom. worst of the lot. Dear God in heaven, I just, they all make me so angry. And don't get me started on Fergie. I I will go off on fucking Fergie, man. That woman is just the worst in the pussycat doll. Then we better not talk about my humps or I'll just leave right now. Oh, my God. That's one of my faves. Lovely lady lumps. Yay. Okay. And my third one is, and this was inescapable for the 2000s. You just... Could not get rid of it. And that's, yeah, 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 Usher. Yeah, yeah. Boop, 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 I don't get the yeah, yeah bit. Tom's riff, the boop, 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 boop. Yeah. They go together. I just want to throw it out there. We could do weddings. We could do cover band. We could do, we could cover band at a wedding. We're pretty good together. I just to throw that out there. <laughs> James St. James and the Bananas. I can see it now. Oh, great. It's a cappella, a little bit maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, you've just named three of my favorite songs. God. Well, you have hey. the worst taste. That was the problem. I doing this do. Episode. Love and hate's a very fine line. Exactly. Number five. Number five. You know, the thing about pop music is I love it, and I love it for its plasticity. I love it for its reductiveness. I love it for its inauthenticity. Um, That's why I love it. So I hate it when bands make protest songs and think they're changing the world. Like, for example, Money for Nothing, Dire Straits. This was their biggest hit. Yeah, Wait, how is it a protest song? What are they protesting? I don't well, know. They actually, it, it begins, the, the song actually begins with an a cappella loop that became globally famous, viral meme before memes, I want my MTV. Sting, uh, I want my MTV. Yeah. And then it goes into the song itself. It's kind of like people in an electronic store watching MTV. They're bored. They're fed up. They don't like music videos. That's what the song is all about. It's all about. Well, isn't that, that but that isn't that biting, the hand that, biting the hand that feeds you because that's uh, well. Here's what happened: they wrote it, I think, as a protest against MTV and music videos. This was at the very early dawn of music videos, eighty-one, eighty-two, and then MTV jumped on it, and they jumped on it because Sting, once again, was hanging out with Dire Straits. They just recorded the song. They played it to Sting, and Sting was like, "Oh." Let me sing this at the beginning. And he added the acapella, I want my MTV at the beginning of the song. MTV heard it and they were like, oh my God, we have got the best viral sales tool ever known to man. And they <laughs> they basically adopted the song. And even though it was a screed against music videos and all the bands that made them and the idea that that wasn't what rock and roll was really about, it became the flag-bearing anthem of MTV. It also has a gay slur in it, doesn't it? It certainly does. Yes, they, they say, look at that little faggot banging the drums. And it's very homophobic. The lyrics are very homophobic. Now, Dire Straits would have an out because they'd say they were just quoting people who were bored working in an electronic store. So it's a social yes. observation piece. But I think... I think they were kind of basically against the um I think the MTV it's, a, it's, a, it's a prime example of the shift that happened between the seven sixties and seventies and mm-hmm. the eighties and, mm-hmm. and to today when rock was c- considered to be outlaws. Brilliantly you know, put. 
they wouldn't Beatles would never sell their song for an advertisement, you know, and now it's like Gwen Stefani, like promotes her album on target ads, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, but there was that one moment where the tension was really rife. Yeah, absolutely uh, right. And of course, you know, I mean, the whole idea about pop and rock is it's born to be sold. So my next example here is anarchy for the UK because the sex pistols were nothing if not a complete fraud. And that the whole idea of punk as a real youth rebellion, it didn't exist. It was actually the very clever brainchild of Malcolm McLaren, a sort of Svengali-like figure who was looking for ways to sell his clothes from um, Vivian Westwood's store, Sex. Um, Now, have you been watching the Pistols show on Hulu? I have. I loved the first episode. And I thought the whole thing went completely off the rails. But I'm still watching it. I still go. But but the thing is, I mean, it was a legitimate movement in New York, CBGBs, the Ramones television, uh, that type of stuff. And Malcolm McLaren did steal it and and try and, you know, do it. So, But the idea is, is, you know, a whole generation of sort of think that putting safety pins in your clothes and spitting on people is some sort of amazing rebellion, unaware that it's all a complete sellout from the beginning. <laughs> it's like, it sort of delights me, but it's a terrible song. Last song of the protest songs, it's not really protesting anything. It's just a bit of a sort of miserame song. It's a bit of like, oh, life was always better in the past, which I kind of hate that too, that whole sentiment of like, those were the good days. Don McLean's American Pie. Oh. It, 800 words, eight and a half freaking minutes, just cannot abide any of it. Drove so my Chevy to the levee, and I wished he. What? Did you like Madonna's version? No, I haven't. No. Don't think I've heard Madonna's version. I, I mean, I hate this. I like, you know. It was the coolest song. When I was seven years old, that was the coolest song. My brother bought it. You had to play it on both sides of the single, it faded yeah. out. Maybe the Black Eyed Peas could do a cover version. That could be good. <laughs> That's great, but you've got, but Madonna, I think that you would like that. Yeah, but. The original song is so heinous, and um, there you go. That's Madonna's it. is not that good. It's kind of just a rehash of the original. It's from the Next Best Thing soundtrack. Well, I'm sending it to you right now. The good old boys drinking whiskey. song of 1970, I believe. Um, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Canada's Drag Race Season 3 premieres July 14th. 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wild Presents Plus. And on Crave, of course, in Canada... Join Brooklyn Heights, Brad Goreski, Tracy Melchor. It's amazing. Blake, do you have a question? I do. Um, what song was the number longest running number one song before 2019 when Lil Nas X toppled it with Old Town Road? Hmm. We didn't reveal that already. Um, Wait, so I didn't the- say it? Nope. What is the second longest running number one of all time? I think that's correct, right? That's the right. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Uh, Right after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to Wow Report. Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake. And we are having a whale of a time savaging the 30 most awful songs ever recorded. Mm -hmm. And I asked before the break, what is the second longest running number one song of all time? Wait a minute. Hold on, though. I want to hear. I want another clue here. Is it the 90s, 2000s, or or a different? Before you say that, I want to ask, what was the song that Mariah Carey did with Boys to Men? That was One Sweet Day. Is that it? That is it. But it's actually a trick question because it's tied with another song from 2017. James. Your chance, James. It's, it's going to be Justin Bieber's uh, Latin flavored song. Despacito, Justin Bieber. Oh my God. Um, this is I unfair. You have an unfair advantage because this is all you do with your life is study these, these lists. In high school in Newport, New Hampshire, I had a subscription to Billboard magazine. Thank you very much. You weren't in high school in 2017. You no, were working at up. World of Wonder. I've kept up. <laughs> <laughs> I am just so impressed with your encyclopedic knowledge. It's really amazing. Of something that gets me nothing. We oh. are counting down the 30 most despicable songs of all time. We have reached number four, Tom. Number four. 
okay, this theme is just potpourri. Just have to get these okay. in. This is important to me. Um, first of all, Phil Collins, Sue, Sue Studio. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you just feel like he's printing money at this point. Like they just go into the, into the studio. Again, good musicians. They have a little bit of a riff. And we're in Sue, Sue Studio. What's it about? Who cares? Who okay. I do not want to with all the things that I have to do with all the number ones I have to keep up in my, this this trap of mine. I'm not going to even find out what Susudio means. Blake, you just came uh, on screen. A better track from that same album. I love Billy, Billy. Don't you lose my number? Mm. Oh, <laughs> now, and and I got to tell you, a rite of passage in my hometown, Newport, New Hampshire, is getting a lot of press. This show was to sit and listen to. I can feel it. Coming in the air tonight. Stoned, no, that is a good song. No, that or drunk in someone's basement and going, I think this is about a girl that drowned. But it's again, it's that English weather. It's dreary, it's wet, it's damp, it's it's like it's like fog. It just wraps itself around. Tom, have you ever seen that the video series, the YouTube series about the two young kids and their yes, twins of the new trend. Yes, and they they listen to this and they lose their damn at the drum solo. That is one of my favorite moments in, in so Susu Studio, not so much. Again, Phil Collins, you can take it. Okay, I'm gonna jump on to um We Built This City. Uh-huh. We built this city by Jefferson Starship. You know, just Again, it just felt even they didn't like it. This it's is just, a money grab bar. Yes. yes, kind of the worst part of the '80s all coming together. Love Jefferson's, you know, airplane. Love Grace Slick. Love her voice. Don't you want somebody to love? But this was a comeback that was a little bit wilt- wilted. And then Can I just add a quick interject, oh, yeah. just one little detail that Drexel Burnham Lambert, the Wall Street bank that embodied '80s greed. They did a remake of We Built This City. We built this city on high-yield bonds and because they, they were famous for junk bonds. And they not only did that, they built a spaceship, not a real one, which I guess is what they would have done today. They built a fantastic <laughs> model and made this incredibly expensive music video of all the companies that had been funded by high-yield bonds, and they had this space station drifting through space. So, yeah. Feels very 80s on point, right? A better 80s Jefferson Starship song, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. Uh, Which is from Mannequin, right? Yeah, written by Diane Moore. Okay, second week in a row we've mentioned that song. Very good. And then last but not least, you know, a lot of celebrities, a lot of actors who can sing sometimes think they're singers or there's an opportunity for them to get, Uh you know. Bruce Willis or Eddie Murphy. It could be Bruce Willis. It could have been Patrick Swayze. You know, she's like the wind. It could have been David Soul from Starsky and Hutch. But I'm going to give, this is, again, now we have like Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton. I mean, everybody can be auto-tuned. This is before the auto-tune. And it was a single from this young star of Welcome Back, Cotter named John Travolta. And it was, I'm going to let her in. I'm going to let her in. Mm-hmm. That is an obscure thing to hate. let her that. in my life. Let her in my life. I don't think anyone on the planet even remembers that much. Well, it. I don't know if you know this, but John Travolta ended up keeping his name John Travolta. And he went on to be in next year in Saturday Night Fever. And then, again, redeemed himself with the Grease soundtrack. And we love John Travolta. But let her in. If you haven't had a chance to see it, I do love John Travolta. Oh, girl. I do. He, he in 1986, when I was interviewing at CAA for an, uh, a, off a job in the mailroom, he was in the fishbowl uh, conference room. And I had to go and come back and go and come back. And every time we came back, the room was emptier. And it ended up just being John Travolta looking over the shoulder of the woman with her back to me, flirting with me with his eyes. So well, that's if, something. If you were a masseur, you would have gotten something. And what's wrong with that? So I suppose let her in. The her of let her in is a female gerbil. Is that right? I'm gonna let. Oh, that's a Richard Gere <laughs> joke, and and you're better than that, Fenton. I'm gonna <laughs> let her in. Mm-hmm. Okay, let right, her right. in my life. Is that three? Is that three potpourri? That's it. That's the potpourri. Okay, so we'll go on to number two, three, James. Number three. Number three, I'm going to do my corny light FMs now because um, there are a couple that just, oh, number one, uh, my I'm going to combine two train songs here from the 90s. 
hey soul sister remember that hey soul sister and yeah. then drops of jupiter drops of jupiter in her hair remember that i would flip the channel if i heard it wait I you know, remember drops of jupiter i remember never. but not i never listened to it all the way through also meet virginia meet virginia yes meet virginia they're all like they all sound the same yeah were you was this was this some of those lost years that we've never figured out where you did not Tom where you weren't listening to music or something you were Give me the year what were the years that that was on It would have been like 97 Okay that's when it started to get a little lost Okay that might talk just a little bit a little bit <laughs> the drops of Jupiter and Hey Soul Sister were literally ubiquitous they were like the Creed song and the Nickelback song of okay. its, of its time Okay the next one is Hello. <laughs> Are you Lionel Richie or you're Adele? Okay. Adele. okay. Hello. Where it's just a foghorn. Hello. <laughs> Sounds oh. like a manatee or a whale. <laughs> you know, that is what they call fat, bald, gay men, manatees. You know, you have your bears and your, your um, oh, otters. Oh, my God. Change it. The, the, the manatee. I'm a manatee. The, the manatee. manatee. Hello. <laughs> okay and then my third one here is pharrell happy and so you're happy oh, and the you're worst happy. ever oh thank you it was very difficult theming them because i was thinking oh there should be a happy section of happy songs like don't worry be happy which is a, oh. a, just awful i oh. i feel we could probably do another episode of um more horrible I mean, songs. We could, just, we could do this every week for the rest of our lives. Right. There's enough hate to go. We around. try to use our wows for good. Remember that. <laughs> yeah, we do. Okay. Um, number two. Number two. A little theme of jokes that aren't funny. Um, like uh, I'm too sexy. Right, said Fred. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like supposed to be funny, right? Please don't say If You Say Gay Me by Britney Spears. No, I would never. It's such a genius song. Um, I hear you on that one. And did you know the name of the band, Right Said Fred, actually came from another novelty song um, in which the lyric is right. The band was Right Said Fred. And it was about these workers trying to put a wardrobe in a room and they have to take the knobs off and then the legs and then they have to knock down the wall and then... They all stop every time to have a cup of tea, and then they take the wall down, and then they take the roof off. This is and so British. This is just so British. <laughs> I can't even. So their name comes from that song, "Right Said Fred." That band, right? Right Said Fred came from a song called "Right Said Fred." It was a big hit. Anyway, I'm too sexy. I it's was awful. always a little disappointed that the guys weren't sexy enough. There, I said it. The Fairbrass Brothers. People thought they, they were lovers, but they're actually brothers. And I think Taylor Swift really actually rescued it when she sampled it for um, Look What You Made Me Do, which is one of her great songs. And, you know, who knew you could turn I'm Too Sexy into a masterpiece? But she sure did. Well, I will only listen to a remaster of that song by her. That's all I know. But I remember at the time, the first time I saw the video and heard the song, I remember thinking how fabulous it was. For about for about a week, I think I really enjoyed it. The original I'm too yeah. sexy. Yeah. Back when you were wearing sheer shirts and things like that. A blouse. <laughs> and leather hot pants. All right. My next selection is Walk Like an Egyptian by the Bangles. Uh, I love the Bangles, and that's not that's their worst cut. Eternal no. flame. Eternal flame. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh God. Give me Awful. No. Hate it, hate it, hate it. And walk like an Egyptian. Also, especially the way they go, walk like an Egyptian. Like the, the words don't fit. <laughs> like the Ed song. Walk like Ed Sheeran. Walk like an, yeah, walk like Ed Sheeran. I don't know no. why I feel the need to defend the Bengals, but I feel like that was their deal with the devil. Or it's like one of those things you record and you think, nah, it's not going to be. And that that's the one that haunts you the rest of your career. Well, even though it's all about this, you know, people walking like uh, the Egyptian hieroglyphics, that's not what inspired the song. The song was actually inspired by the songwriter seeing people on a ferry on a rough crossing trying to stand up and losing their balance. And that's where the idea walk like an Egyptian came from. Egyptian came from, excuse me. 
Wait, like, I'm gonna they say walk, they walk like an Egyptian because they're trying to keep their balance. Right, he saw them and they were like, oh, like trying to keep that balance. Uh, and then how the back came. The thing that always saved a Bengals bad song was a good video with Joanna Hoff's eyes. <laughs> Just awful, tawdry, harassed. Okay, finally, the escape song, which I know no one really knows it as the escape song. I know it's, it as the escape song. Wait, the Pina Colada song. If you Tell like you, Pina, I did not see that coming the first time I heard it. I did not see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the surprise ending. It was my own lovely lady, and she said, "Ah, oh, it's you." Then we had <laughs> for a moment, and she said, "I, I never, never knew that you like pina coladas." A gunk, gunk, getting I, I, my stomach is just—I'm gonna throw up. I Have you know. ever heard? That's um, what's the guy who did that again? He's a big Broadway. Rupert, Rupert Holmes. Rupert, Rupert Holmes, Holmes went on to make who, Broadway shows, and he's also British. I did, his actual real name is. But David his name Holmes is Rupert Holmes. Holmes. For Christ's sake, what could he be? <laughs> Well, his real name's David Goldstein, actually, and he changed it to Rupert Holmes because he's British. He's from like East Grinstead. I mean, if again, you don't like, I'm sorry, if you don't like Pina Colada, have you ever heard his song, Him? Mm-mm. Him, no. him, him, what you're gonna do about him? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you gonna do without him or do without me. Me, me, no one gets to get it for free. It's me or it's him. Okay, all right. Sorry, I interrupted. No, not at all. Not at all. I, I mean, I think it's supposed to be a, a song about fun and, and escape, and um, uh, but it has a cloying quality that is it's like British fog, but packaged with a little tropical umbrella. And a I smell copper tone coconut sun uh, oil when that song comes but on. That yeah. was one of those songs that at the time was one of the first ones that was ubiquitous that like you couldn't escape after it was that in that period of uh that was the number one song of 1980 yeah okay all right well that's okay let's take a break and when we come back we'll reveal the number one song that we all think each of us thinks is the worst song of all time you're listening to world of wonders wow report things that make us go wow Welcome back to the Wow Report for Radio Andy. We have been counting down, special edition, the top 30 songs that make us go, no, 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 no. And um, we've reached we've reached number one. Number one. And we're supposed to all offer one, right? Right. Well, you know how right. I don't like to follow the rules. I have two. Because <laughs> oh, one is the Macarena, just because it's, it's talk about earworm. Yeah. And I worked at... Um, ABC Daytime, before The View, I was working on Mike and Maddie, the talk show. And we thought we were so clever because we were, we, you know, people come and pitch the morning. It's like, this Macarena thing's taking over. Let's do a whole oh, Macarena yes, show. Yes. And the audience will do the Macarena and Mac and Maddie will do the Macarena. And then the guests will do the Macarena. Well, it just so happened that on uh, Regis and Kathy Lee, it was, it was like every show with no planning. Good Morning America, Regis and Kathy Lee, Maddie. They all did the Macarena. It was this, the, it was like that moment that a comedian said when you're sitting in a Starbucks and you look across the street and you see another Starbucks, it's like the end of the world. And that's what happened with the Macarena that one Monday. And it, you know, it's, it's, it's a bad bar mitzvah song now. So they easy. all did the Macarena the same day. They all did special. Yeah, everyone did playing. like special theme Macarenas all on the same day. Oh, that's no planning. Um, and then I'm going to throw out and not because I, I love a patriotic song. I love, Whitney's uh, 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 national anthem. I love Kate Smith's God Bless America. I know she has something in her past, but the one, the words aren't bad, but the people who sing it and the intention behind it is Lee Greenwood's I'm Proud to Be an American. I buy the sentiment, but I feel like when it's being sung, it's excluding me. That's my paranoia. I have co-opted by the the alt right. Yes, the crazy fucking alt right. Yeah. I'm proud to be an American because at least I know I'm free. You don't have to it's wear a mask. The crowd, yeah. Yes, yeah. but I love patriotic songs and I love this country. We'll mm. talk about that another time. But mm-hmm. those, I'm throwing those two up, and I broke the rules. So sorry. Continue. Well, you know what. I follow Tom in this because I'm breaking the rules too. I've got two and you can't stop me. I've got, I've got my two. My first one is, I don't know if you remember this because this might've been during your lost period, Tom, but 
a little bit of Monica in that. Which is the Macarena. Bit. Isn't that just another Macarena? Isn't that all oh, from wait, the same yes. blender? A little bit of that. Susie, a little bit of blah. Uh, yes, all these different girls' names. I remember it's, I was at a dinner party for Randy and Fenton were throwing, and I walked in, and I said, you guys, there's this new singer called Lou Vega, and he's going to be huge. He has the song that's just magnificent, and I made everybody listen to it, and everybody rolled their eyes, <laughs> and I was persona non grata at that party. I remember very clearly. My other one is... <laughs> Bop, Bop Hansen, and that was one of the ones that I remember thinking at the time, wow, this is so new, this is great, these kids are going to go places, and then little did I know that, you know, 20 years later, they'd still be singing, Bop, You know, in fairness to you, James, you have reached out to me with some really great tips. You called and left a message on the answering machine once, and it's playing this new song by Madonna called Music. And it was so, it was, that was a good call. That was a really good call. One good call in 30 years. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Well, my favorite number, I'm breaking the rules because actually, even though I hate the song and it's despised, I absolutely love it. By David Bowie, The wow. Laughing Gnome. Oh. Ha, ha, ha. He, he, he. I'm a laughing gnome and you can't catch me. And it's this fabulous folk Wait, story. Is this still David Jones, though? Is this before was, David Bowie? It was, no, he was David Bowie. It was 1967. He hadn't broken through yet. And he wrote a song about a gnome that comes to live in his house. And he's like, haven't you got no gnome to go to? And uh, where do you come from? I come from no man's land. It goes on in that vein. But it has a happy ending because... Um, they're living, the gnome is living up the chimney and making lots of money, living on caviar and honey, writing comedy prose for radio shows. Mm-hmm. Ha ha ha, he he he. I'm the laughing gnome. And, you, and it's, it's, have you not heard it, Tom? I don't think I have. <laughs> I, we're definitely going to play this on the outro because I only name one song. And um, that's fair. It's quite a, it's quite an, it's airway. not quite as clever as some of his later lyrics. Fame. I think Bowie totally disowned it, hated it, was permanently embarrassed by it. When he first broke through with like Starman and Ziggy Stardust and all that cool, sexy stuff, the, the record label re-released Laughing Gnome. <laughs> <laughs> Just completely funny. destroyed his credibility. Can you imagine no. Billie Eilish like having recorded some awful song that gets re-released when you know, she's enjoying peak Billie Eilish moment. All right. <clears throat> Thank you for tuning in to the Wow Report this week on Radio Andy Sirius XM. I've enjoyed this so much. We definitely have to do it again. I've enjoyed it too. James is either frozen or he's just, look, he's Googling again. He didn't seem to enjoy it quite so much. <laughs> he wants to find that Madonna version of American Pie. Um, same time, next place, you. Same time, same place next week. Okay. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow. Wow.